Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Grace Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This, our scripture study podcast. Um, We go through the New Testament, well, all scripture, but this year we're going through the New Testament. We're in the second half. We're in the book of Corinthians today. We point out a lot of things we think that you don't want to miss from the scriptures. Uh, We have to whittle it down like a (laughs) wood whittler. Is that a... (laughs) We have to, I guess that's where I came from, that word. I don't think I've ever connected. It's actually like whittling before until just this moment. But um, And pick our very favorite things. But obviously, the scriptures are a treasure box. So you'll just find your favorite stuff too. So okay. we are going, oh, before we jump into today's lesson, it's crazy that I, we're even going to say this, but it'll make sense because school has started probably if you live in the U.S. of A., um, and so you're in that fall mood, but general conference is around the corner. And if you're, if you've been here before, you've seen this, but if not, you are going to be um, new. And this might be, I mean, what was that was the grammar <laughs> of that? Correct. I, I don't, don't even know, but fine. you may have seen this before, but if not, um, they, these are general conference workbooks that you can get at the good news brand. And they are so awesome and they always sell out. And so, we're just letting you know early. You can actually pre-order them right now. Just get on and get them so that they come in time for conference and you don't even have to think about it and you're ready. You're a little bit early. You don't have to get your cinnamon rolls or your candy yet, but you might as well and just hide them in the cupboard. <laughs> the because, cinnamon rolls? They're yeah, a month old. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. But candy, you might, but you might eat it <laughs> before conference actually comes. So you may not have seen the cover of this one. There are three versions of this. And what it is, is it is a really pretty notebook to take general conference notes in. Now you can pick anything to take notes in and I would highly suggest doing something like that. It just kind of uh, readies your heart, kind of settles your heart into it to have some sort of deliberate habit that just like, I want to be particular about listening and remembering what I learned this weekend. Plus it's so rad to have it for the next six months to be able to go back and remember like, oh, okay, so say you're studying it in church. Um, you're like, oh, or reading it again or listening to it again. You want to think, what are the first thoughts I had and impressions that I had of things that you can go back? And several times it's over this last six months, we've gone back and been like, oh, I forgot that impression to call this person or, or do this with you know one of my kids or, or whatever. It's awesome place to just store all that and keep adding to it. So it's got this fantastic art throughout from Young Sung Kim. If you don't know him, you're a sad person and you should (laughs) all throughout it. And then each it's got um, sessions divided by session and speaker. And also this part, so cool spots to put down your promptings. uh, Some of the promises that you hear, the invitations that you hear, answers to prayer that you might have. And it just kind of becomes a live, a journal of um, the living word is what it is. And so there is this version, which is um, just the OG original one, and it just moves through sessions and speakers. And then there's two other versions we want to show you, too. Because these are the two that I use. Um, this is why. That overwhelms me. I have this terrible part about me that I have to fill up every page of whatever journal I'm using. And that stresses me out to try to fill up because there's a lot of space. Some people love that, and I love that you love that. Yes. For me, I am me. obsessed with this one. And it is just like, I think it's meant probably for younger people. I don't really know. Probably. Oh, it's a surprise. But it's the exact same thing. It's laid out the exact same th- like way. Super well thought out, except for it's half the amount of space. So instead of having one full spread for every single person, you just get one page. And it's so, it just feels smaller and easier and I like it. And there's something in this one where there are doodle pages in here also. So um, like geometric designs that you can fill in the different colors. If you're listening, you don't get to see this, but you can just imagine. And blank pages also to like, sometimes um, we'll take watercolors or markers or something and write out quotes that we love in there. Just some, if you're a doodling person also. So that includes in that one. 
And, and then there's this one. The kid one. This is what I used to use in the olden days before they created this one. I use the kid one because this one's so cute. It's so small, so simple, easy. Your notes, one takeaway, and you get to draw a picture <laughs> of the person. My favorite part. One. Oh. One year we're going to get to draw Emily Bell Freeman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in one of those spots. I'm just going to send her a picture of her painting. This one is actually, so kids will color stuff and, and write notes and stuff, but it also includes sticker pages and activity pages throughout the entire thing. And they're cute, and they just are, fill, like, they, like, go as you go. So it's just through the whole conference. Coloring pages and, paper like, dolls. Think paper dolls that you cut out. And just activities of, you know, th different things throughout. Cut out things, sticker things, um, and then spots to actually write down from the speakers and, and notes and stuff like that, too. So, these are just releasing for their pre-order. And, again, last time they sold out, so we're just trying to tell you a little bit early about these. And General Conference is coming, and we just try to think of, of different ways, simple ways that we can elevate that weekend and also maybe keep track of some of the things that we're learning and studying. Grace and I both have podcasts that we, in addition to this one, that are general conference focused. And so if you want to jump into those, um, my podcast that I'm on is called Revival, and it releases every Tuesday. Ours is This is Kingdom, and it releases every Sunday. Yeah. Grace's is focused a little bit more toward young adult youth focused. For sure. Um, mine's a come one, come all kind of one also, but it's just 25 minutes and it's, what are some of the, um, what are some of just the highlights, the promises that are in there, the different ways that we can live by, by faith. It's called revival. Did I say that? Yeah, but it's just a way double. to revive your faith. I love that name so much. That's right. <laughs> so these are awesome. If you are listening along those that you pick one day a week that you're going to do a conference talk per week as a review and you can have your notes. Um, from when you first took them, and then you can also take notes again as you come back. So that is that, and we wanted to make sure you get, um, you are aware of that. Go to goodnewsbrandco.com, um, and you can put in your pre-order for that. Okay, all right, let's start part two of First Corinthians. We are calling this a more excellent way. We are stealing that line from Paul himself, <laughs> um, that he will say at one of the chapters that we're in, uh, today. Uh, and I love this idea of there are lots of different ways to live life. Um, but Paul is going to show us uh, a more excellent way of living. You actually can spend all of your years that you have on this earth and you can wake up every day and you can do your jobs and, and you can uh, then be laid to rest one day. Or you can fill your days in a different kind of way, a more excellent way of living, a thrilling way of living and following Jesus. And Paul's going to talk about, in today's chapters, uh, a couple different ways to do that. Um, which works really well, because once, where this starts out, it's almost like he's going to reintroduce himself, but just small. And it makes me think of my mission president. Whenever he got called to be a mission president, you leave behind pretty much everything that was your life before. So you stop working that becomes your full-time job is just to take care of missionaries. And how he would always introduce himself when people asked him, usually when you have like a get-to-know-you conversation, it's like, oh, what's your name? What do you do? And he would always say, oh, I'm President Hymas and I'm in the people business. And mm, it just was my favorite awesome. thing ever to think about, oh, I'm just in the business of people. Whatever they need, I am that type of person. And it's so cute because it's almost like Paul wants to start out and say, hey, I'm Paul, and I'm in the people business. Let me tell mm. you who I am. And chapter 9, it starts out, and he says, let me tell you, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? And are ye not, and are not ye my work in the Lord? He says, let me remind you who I am. I'm an apostle, and my, my business right now is people. All I have to worry about is loving people. And it's cool he says, am I not free? Am I not free to do whatever I want with my time? Yeah. But I want you to know the thing that I choose is this. And he's kind of responding to a little bit of criticism is what he's doing in this chapter right here, right? Yeah. But he's just like, listen, I'm an apostle. I was called face-to-face -face by Jesus to do this. And I'm actually free to either follow that calling or do whatever I want. And I just want you to know. I choose you. Right. 
I like choose, I, yeah. I choose that. I choose, I choose to live people. this in this way. And it's so cute because even in verse two, you see, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. I actually want to be known by you. Mm. Like that's what I want to be remembered by is actually by you. That's my business right now. You are my people. And then um, this is in response to that almost criticism. He has this line that is so fascinating. He just says, mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Obviously, he was facing a lot of examination, criticism, people observing everything that he was doing in his life. And it makes me think of my great grandpa. His name was Mickey, which is, first of all, the best name ever. <laughs> and he kind of started out and it was his life in the beginning was a little bit rougher. It, um, he was like the type of guy that like wouldn't ever pray in church. You weren't really where, like sure where he stood with his faith or his belief in the beginning. Yeah. And you, I was going to say a couple of weeks ago, I feel like your mom talked about it. And I don't, maybe you know the story already that he was sent as a mission president um, to Fiji. And I think it was President Nelson, Elder yeah, Nelson, who said about him, um, I, I don't actually know if Mickey believes. And yeah, he's like, I've never heard him pray even. Like, right, it's like right. nothing, like we were at no clue where he was at. And that's kind of where the beginning of his life started. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the story that we know about Mickey is that it was like, here he is. We just yeah. don't know what's going to happen. But Oh, and tell that Fred part about him too. Like what your uncle Fred or your great uncle, I guess he would be about... Um, that line, oh, what it, um, oh, in the surgery. We'll start the surgery okay. and then bring in Fred's line. Because <laughs> okay. I was going to say that, yeah, well, like his character yeah, and his nature. Like, like, like you look at this, he played every single sport. He yeah. was like rough and tough. Like, and even you know. like my uncle has a flag in his basement of like the Utah State football championship. And it's not even from a time when he was playing. And my uncle's like, he probably just stole that flag. Like he was the type of guy that you're like, <laughs> great. He's like, <laughs> we don't know. It's just he's doing his thing. And um, what happens is he has a life in the people business in the end, mm. you know, as a coach, as a missionary, just that obviously is where his life played out. But what happened is in the end of his life, he was sick for a really long time. He had three months where he was pretty desperately sick. And there was kind of this idea to have a last minute surgery that tried to like a last ditch effort to try to save him. And um, President Nelson was actually the one that was going to perform the surgery. And when it started, this is, you can say that line about Fred, do you want to? It's oh, so, so his brother said about him, because um, no one thought that the surgery was going to work. Yeah, it was really like, it was like a last ditch effort in the sense that it was just like, we can try, but. Yeah, and even he said Mickey knew that too. But then he says, but I know Mickey and he would go down fighting. So that's like, just gives you an idea of like what kind of soul he has. And you love that he was like a little rough and tough, you know, just And then his brother his knew that about him yeah. too. And he um, goes in for the surgery and right before the surgery is performed, um, we know him as President Nelson. He probably knew him as Dr. Nelson yeah, in that moment. <laughs> but he walked in and he kind of just wanted to have that last conversation of like, hey, um, this might not work. And are you okay with this not working? Like, mm -hmm. can we both be on the same page that if this doesn't work, you still want to go through with the procedure and try? And um, my great-grandpa's response is so, so tender. And he just said, you know what? My life is ready for examination. My life is ready for inspection. And there's something about the confidence of living a life like that, mm -hmm. that is so like, admire, I admire that so much. Yeah. And it makes me think in that line, in chapter nine, it's verse three, that what does your life look like when it's examined? And my great grandpa said, you know what? I know what mine's gonna look like. And it looks a little rough and tough in the beginning, but in the end, I know that my life looked like that of a disciple. And it's almost like Paul wants to say the same thing. Yeah. Like, let me introduce myself, but let me show you what you will find if you examine my life. Yeah. And that verse three says, my answer to those who criticize that do examine me is this. Yeah. Like, this is what you would find. And then he's going to go through. And there's so much in there that you just want to read the verses because it's so cute. But there's just four parts that to me just show the type of guy that he is. And that he's like, look, 
this really is what my life looks like upon examination. Like, let me show you what you'll see if you inspected my life. Yeah. And he goes through, and one of my favorites is in verse 10. And it's just a life of hope. He says, you will find hope if you look in my life. When I do something, I truly have a deep sense of hope in the future, in mm. what God can do with what I am doing. That's what you'll find. You'll find hope in my life. And then it goes a little bit further. And in verse 12, um, there's just, just that word suffer, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And all of a sudden, Paul, it's like he wants to show you my life is going to look like sacrifice because mm -hmm. I'm not going to get in the way of what the gospel can do. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the center point. I actually want that to be the gospel. So I'm going to sacrifice whatever it needs to so that the gospel can be the most important thing. Yeah. That's what it looks like. That's what my life looks like. And then all of a sudden in verse 13, it wants to say, I just, that word that I want to pull from there is holy. And it's the fact that he says like, wait, they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. I'm going to serve in the temple. I'm going to be the type of person that lives a holy life. Yeah. That I'm associated with that. Yeah. I love that phrase in 13 too that says, um, I minister about holy things and live of the things of the temple, mm. you know? And maybe in the past he's talking about actually partaking from the <laughs> altar, but it's cool to think of what that altar represents. You know, and in our church today, we have an altar and we do partake of the things of the altar, mm. you know, and just that idea of like, I live the things of the temple. I live the patterns of the temple I, and I partake of the gifts of the temple also. Like that's what I have. If you were to examine me, I would be a, a person like that. Which makes it even more, I think, powerful coming from what we studied last week of, oh, you actually are the temple. You can be that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it's like, yeah, look, you can choose to live a life that is knowingly holy. Yeah. That people see you and they're like, oh, that's attached to me. And, and you know what? I almost want to put in as a side note here, um, because in the journal, we have a spot here where like, here are the four things that you found, found, found <laughs> <laughs> um, in Paul, and you haven't done the fourth one yet. And then the question of, are they found in you? And a, and a little spot to write here and, and say like, why might you want to find some of those things in your life? But maybe you would write down some other things that Ooh. you would find if someone were to inspect you. But I, what I wanted to add on to that holiness is things in the temple were made holy. Mm. You know, they, they didn't come in holy. They were made holy in there. And so some of the like gifts of the altar that I might partake of are forgiveness. Um, there was a cleansing spot of the temple, you know, there was a, there was a spot to say, I'm sorry in the temple. And so I think, you know, like I, I think one of the things you would find in me, if you were to inspect me are apologies, like that's something that you would find inside of me, or you would, you would see inside of me like, Oh, I, I try my best. That's what you would, you know, see inside of me also. So I think that one kind of opens up the door in your own, like, thinking as you kind of write and ponder about your own life and study, but that what are the gifts of the temple or the things of the temple that, you know, that I actually partake of and live? Mm, I love that. And right after that in verse 14, you see the last one. And it's just that word live that really like he lived the gospel. That was his life. That was a way of living for him. It was not something he just believed in. It was actually how he lived. And I love to think that he said, let me show you what my life looks like. Let me show you what you will find if you examine me. And I love that idea of what would you find if you examined yourself? Or if you looked at your life right now, do you see these four things? And what does it look like to live a life like that right now? Yeah. That same disciple life. That's awesome. Um, he keeps going. We're going to stay in that same chapter and talk about well, this idea of <laughs> skate church, y'all, is what we're going to talk about in First Corinthians nine. And I, there's this story that um, that I've heard before of this uh, pastor who was um, a pastor of this Christian church, and noticed this group of boys that he would pass by often that never came to church but were always at the skate park. And so every Sunday after he would fulfill all his duties at the church or whatever, 
he would go grab a skateboard and go to the skate park. And I actually don't know if he was initially a skater or not. <laughs> he might have been. Or he may it's just have learned, you just learned Sunday by Sunday, that. right? Hurry. He just grabbed a, skate, a skateboard and started learning Sunday by Sunday and just went and would skate and would talk with the boys who were there and learn from them. And, and finally, they just, you know, opened up and said, who are you and what do you do? And he kind of told them and they opened up the door for him to teach them. And so he would. So he started to teach them and he affectionately called those Sunday um, afternoon skate church. He would take a skateboard and he would teach those boys there um, about Jesus at the skate park. And I think he took a page out of Paul's book in doing that because in 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19, he says this, For though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant unto all. And to me, that's so compelling that you're like, um, Paul says, I am free to do what I want. And then you were to ask him, and what do you do with that freedom? He says, I choose to give it away to be a servant. Um, I was free to do that. And that's what I decided to do. Um, sometimes Christians are criticized of being, of having blind obedience or just following in. And it's like, that's not true. Christians by nature have been set free to choose freely what they'll do with their life. And they choose to be a servant um, as anyone who is, is what they choose to be. And, and he says, for this reason, that I might gain the more. And he kind of explains a little bit. In 20, he says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, I became as one under the law, that I might gain them. To them who are without law, I became an outlaw, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> to the weak, I became as weak. Um, and he just talks about like, whoever it was, I went into their world and I learned as they learned. And I learned how to speak the way they would speak. Um, for this, in 22, he says, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And he's like, whatever I had to learn and whatever I had to do and whatever worlds I needed to enter into, I did it. And I spoke to the Jews as a Jew and I spoke to the Greeks as a Greek. And I, and I talked in the way that they would understand. And I think Paul, skate church man learned it from Paul, <laughs> but Paul surely learned it from the Savior because we saw throughout the Gospels that that's what he did, that he met people in the place that they were. And he met them initially with the needs that they had. Um, he came to Moses in a, as a burning bush. He came to Joshua as a soldier. He came to the woman at the well as living water. He came to Peter as uh, a fisherman, as a lifeguard on the ways. He came into people's story as they were. And Paul says, I tried to pattern my life in the same way. That I tried to connect and speak to people and learn to people and show them how Jesus can come into their stories as they are. And I think that's just a beautiful and powerful pattern for somebody who's trying to be a minister of the gospel, but also really cool to remember that that's what Jesus did and what Jesus still does today. He still comes into our stories and will speak our language to us. He was willing to be made all things to all men that might by all means save some, that I would give everything I had, even if it meant to save some of them. And Right after that, he runs into this analogy of, of being an Olympian. We're just going to say it because he's talking <laughs> to people in Greece. So why should he not be an Olympian, y'all? And he's just like, you know, when people run a race in verse 24, everybody runs, but only one person gets a prize. But they run with all their might to win that one prize. And he says, and it's a medal or a trophy that's going to rust on the shelf and just be forgotten someday and just some old bin in an attic. And yet they legit run with all their might for a trophy. And he said, I want us as ministers of the gospel to run with that same fervor and vigor, but not just for a, a plastic trophy, but for the souls of men. There's, there is a different prize here. And I will give all I have. I will lay it all out there that by some means I might save one. Wherever I need to go, whatever I need to do, whatever I need to learn, 
it's, it's worth it that I might save some. So in 26, he says, so fight I. That is what I, that's what I do, that I might win over some of these souls. And it just makes me, it's that line right there that it just wants to say that I might by all means save some. That I just want to say, sometimes when you read this, you might think in your head, like, that seems a little bit fake to me. Like, I'm not a Jew, so why would I pretend to be a Jew? I'm not weak, so why am I going to pretend to be weak? That was a bad example because I am, but you know. <laughs> um, that all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, but I'm not actually that person. And maybe that pastor wanted to say, you know what? I do not skate. I do not belong here. And some people might have looked at him and being like, why are you faking it? Why are you trying to act like you do right now? And I feel like that's a roadblock sometimes in the object, like in the objective of meeting people where they are. I was like, oh, I don't know if I belong in that situation. And it just makes me want to think, oh, actually, like the business of saving people allows you to enter into their stories like that. Jesus gave you permission to enter into all of those stories because he fits there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think it almost like opens the door when you show an interest there in it. Yeah. It's a, it's actually not an interest in skating. It's an interest in the people. Yeah. But you love skating. So tell me what you love and, yeah. and let me hear it that way. And, and let me hear your life and your concerns and your interests and all of, and all of those things. And let me show you now where Jesus fits yeah. and can come into a life like that. And then it's like, oh, all those people that you want to just like love so well, start with something they already love. Yeah. Just find it and say, okay, well, I'm going to start loving this. If you like to run, I'm going to buy a new pair of running shoes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, oh, I'm going to go all in. That's how he lived. Right? Yeah. And again, it's a chance to listen and a chance to like really, um, because it is a people business. Yeah. Right? And it's just like people have personalities and people have interests and people have journeys and people have fears and people have all of those things, right? That the gospel can either enhance if they are gifts or the gospel can heal mm. if they are weaknesses and shortcomings. And it's like, let, nothing's off the table here. Yeah. Like wherever you are, there's a place for Jesus in that story, a mm. big place for him. And so I don't have to be... I, I don't have to be nervous about whatever somebody's condition or belief system or, or whatever, wherever they are. Like, it's just, there's and, room for Jesus there. So it's, so I can come in to that. I can come in and introduce him into yes. a story like that. And God is smart enough to look and say, you know what? I can teach lessons at the skate park and on the football field on Friday nights. And I can teach lessons in the library and I can teach lessons on a road trip. I can, I can be there. Yeah. So just go there. Right. You know? Yeah, mm, yeah. I love it. And it's even, there's just something about that analogy that he wants to use of uh, an Olympian right now. Of that, <laughs> it's going to be an Olympian. Crazy. It's Greece. <laughs> it has sure to be. It's an Olympian. It has to be an Olympian. And it almost makes so much sense because he's going to start saying, if you're going to try to be that level of an athlete, you're going to have to train. And you, like, you cannot train by doing something easy. You know? That if you are a runner, you can't just run one mile every single day because you're going to stop progressing, right? Then all of a sudden in six months, it's going to be so easy to run a mile. But when you try to run three miles, what's going to happen? You can't because you've only ran one mile. Like he's going to go into it and he's going to say, listen, this is actually going to be hard. You see it in verse 26 of chapter nine that he's like, listen, I therefore so run not as uncertain. Whoa, certainly that was going to be a hard word for me. So fight I not as one that beateth the air. He's like, I'm not going to fight and just punch the air. That's not going to give me anything to like work with. That's easy. Anyone can punch the air. But if I'm going to be a real fighter, I'm going to actually have to train and it's going to have to push me and it's going to have to be hard, which leads so well into the next lesson he wants to teach in chapter 10. Because all of a sudden he's going to start talking about temptation and he's going to say, listen, the people business is not an easy business and deciding to be a disciple is actually really hard. Hard. And the good news is you can face that bravely because the fact that it's hard means you're getting better. You should take that and run with it, honestly, almost with anticipation. Like, let it be hard. It's going to be hard. And he has this verse about temptation that on accident, I think sometimes we only read the first half. It's verse 13 right here. 
And if you read the first half, it's almost, you almost love it. Like you think that you do. Yeah. Because People quote it all the time, just yeah, the first half. You want to love it so bad. And this is what it says. There have no temptation taken you, but such as, as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. And when you hear it, like if you saw that on a magnet, you would love it. You would think it was so good. Yeah. It's like, what a promise. I yeah. Take it to the bank. Awesome. But if you stop there, it almost allows half of the people, like for me, when I read that, all of a sudden I want to start thinking, I must not know that God. Because actually I have faced temptation that I don't think I was, I wasn't strong enough to beat. So is my God lying in that verse? You know, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden there's going to be all of these kids that read it and they're like, wait. I think that maybe I don't believe enough in that God, or maybe God forgot about me when he made this promise. And even at the beginning of that chapter, like he goes through like the children of Israel in the wilderness. And he's like, so many of them fell into temptation yeah. in that journey. And you would look at that and you would just be like, well, what about why the did you lead, Yeah, why did you lead them into places that they couldn't do? Or, you know, they're super weak. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know, like, but he says like, I won't allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. And you're sort of like, well, Wait. hold on. I have examples in this very book yeah. of contrary yeah. to that. And then you're like, wait a minute. And the good news is the magnet forgot the second half of the verse, which is the <laughs> best part. We don't have to forget it because that is like the part that should be a magnet is that all of a sudden it says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. It's actually the faithful God that's doing the work. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. he's the one that's making a way. He's actually the one that is going to help you escape the temptation. It might be too much. You by yourself might actually not be able to beat the temptation. And I would actually anticipate and expect that you won't be able to. Mm. Because why does God need to send a savior if you can handle the trials and temptations of life by yourself? Like there actually wouldn't be a need for one, but there was a need and he did send one. And that's the promise of this verse. And that's a faithful God. Right. That says, wait, I'm going to see you in your story and you're going to know, and I'm going to know that you can't get out of it by yourself. Yeah. But don't worry. I made an escape plan. Mm. And it's one that will not fail. You can trust that. So then when the temptation comes, when you're running that race training to be an Olympian, and you're like, this is actually way harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm actually losing sometimes. Yeah. Right? That all of a sudden it's like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. You're not in the race by yourself. You're racing with a faithful God. Yeah. One that already planned an escape for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the gift of grace is by a definition that Paul loves. It's that ability and power that God gives to us to be able to bear whatever it is that's there. And I just started thinking as I was like, kind of like, as you were teaching about that, like, I just thought it's interesting that he, that we don't tap out of the fight, you know, but he gives us strength to endure and strength to bear it, right? He doesn't, it doesn't like, go away. Right, and he doesn't remove us out of it necessarily, but he's just like, no, keep fighting, but I will fight with you. And there's something about that where he's just like, in some ways he took our place entirely, yeah. right? In the, in the saving story, he took our place entirely. He says, this one's I will take. Mm -hmm. But in that journey to become, he actually enables, allows us to be a part of it. You know, like we're in the ring for it. And there's something really like gritty about that kind of faith journey that's just like, no, you get to be in it, but I will fight with, and you can fight with my strength and my power and my endurances. I just, I've never thought about that before that he's like, I will take this one entirely, but together we will do this journey to become, which is cool. And it just makes me want, I think so often, especially in the journey to become regarding temptation, it makes us feel like we're failing when we're tempted, mm. you know, like, no one else is struggling with this as big as I am. I must be a mess. Yeah. And I love that he's actually going to say, no, actually, we're fighting this one together. And you don't need to be discouraged that there's temptation. 
actually you can be really, really happy to know that you're fighting with a faithful God. Yeah. And you can. You can fight with a faithful God. Yeah. Right? I've made a way to escape it. I've given you a gift to be able to bear it. So call upon me for it. And sometimes people may ask, well, how do I access that grace? And it's like, number one, I would say ask for it Mm. on a daily basis. Number two, I would say invite his presence and power into your life. There are holy patterns that invite his presence and power into your life. Engage in them, right? He's taught us what those principles and patterns are. And so there's simple ways that we can invite him into that struggle and into that battle with us. And we shouldn't. You said something that was so interesting that I've always taken a lot of hope from in 13 where he says, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. That there is something about that that actually makes me feel better. That he's just like, I promise you, any temptation that you're having, it's pretty common yeah. among people. And I'm like, yeah. oh, good. Because you're not I by thought, I, you know, I was like, I kind of thought. And one of the tactics of the adversary is to isolate us and to keep things in the dark because we have so much shame about the fact that it's like, why, why would I be so bad? Why would I think such things? And it's mm-hmm. just like, you actually um, don't keep it in the dark, particularly from the light of the world. Like, bring him into it. Um, maybe you could get some help from others as well. Like there's a lot of value in being a faith community and working through that. But, um, but I just, that line always makes me feel good where it's just like, oh, good. It's yeah. kind of <laughs> nice to know that like, I'm not the only one who like, it's all of us like, We're just struggles in the of with it. this or that, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. that is so awesome. Um, speaking of that faith community, chapter 12 is uh, in the words of Emily, uh, my favorite. Okay. Th- this is like, I, I actually adore what is taught in chapter 12. Um, it is, if you were to ask me, can you find um, Jesus alone um, in the nature? You know, I don't know why it had to be the nature, but you know what I'm saying? And I would say to you, yes, I absolutely think that you can. Um, we have a founding story in our faith tradition where a boy finds God in the woods by himself in a, in a one-on-one prayer. And I think that is possible. Um, but one of the very next things that happens is God sends an angel to him to mentor him and teach him. And God sends him friends to engage in the work. And then God organizes a church. Um, this is what happens soon after that experience. And, and I think there's something about chapter 12 that teaches this to the saints of, of all ages. And it's this that he says, um, starting in verse three, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Um, And he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Mm. And he's going to give this idea, which is found in nearly every book of scripture, a teaching about the gifts of the spirit. And he says this, for the manifestation of the spirit, meaning a particular um, showing of that spirit uh, is given to every person that all may profit with all. And there is this, Con, there is this system. I don't even know if a system is the right word, a pattern that God has set up where he was like, I will have almost like um, the, the colors of a rainbow or something like that, right? Where remember all colors added together are white light, right? And he's just mm. like, and God is like, if you were to say like, God is pure white light, but then like divided up would be all these different colors now combined can actually give you, you know, the full, a fuller measure of who God is. And that's the concept of spiritual gifts. One, the good news is that God gives us gifts of the spirit. Like that number one is good news, right? To fight the fight that we are in, to bring about the purposes, to become who he, he hopes and intends. And we might hope and intend to become. He's like, I am going to give you gifts in order to do that. So let's just start with that, number one, that there are spiritual gifts that come to us as a privilege of having the gift of the the Holy Ghost. Um, And 
I'm going to talk about this in just oh. a second. That you are you, so you can we can go. Yeah, okay. we we'll, I'll, I'll come back yeah, to that and and do that. But here in the journal, we have this page, which is just a picture of all of these different gifts, and it's a spot to personally take some time to think to yourself what spiritual gifts um, has God given to me, um, and maybe a spot in there to also consider. Um, Because, well, I would say this. What does God see in you? You might know. What do others see in you? Now, this worksheet can be done, can be used a couple different ways. One is by yourself. So just like sit down there and think about some of the spiritual gifts that you've been given. Another way you can use this worksheet that I think would be awesome if you were in a family or in a class is to put someone's name at the top of it and then... um, then go over what some of the spiritual gifts are. Because you want to give everyone almost like a big list of what they are because sometimes people have a hard time. Like, I wonder well, you what, just do the same thing yeah, what kind of spiritual gifts yeah. are there even. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a great place to see all those gifts. Like he goes through and he starts to list some of them. They will feel familiar to, to gift of faith, some he, to some healing, to some the working of miracles, to some discernment to some wisdom, to some knowledge, right? Um, Other places, you can search through Scripture to find gifts. I have this list, and we will put a PDF of this inside the um, newsletter uh, that you can get. And it is a list that, uh, if you're watching, you can see. It's just like this small print (laughs) of so many different types of gifts that you may have not even thought of before, like the gift of listening, the gift of being able to weep, the gift of being agreeable, the gift of humor, the gift of sincerity, the gift of sensitivity, the gift of confidence, the gift of friendship, the gift of becoming harmless, the gift of becoming graceful, the gift of reverence, the gift of optimism. You see how there are just so many diversities of the gift. It's almost like, again, like that light. If you were to take the personality and character and heart of Jesus, and like shine it into like one of those prisms, like it would into a a million different colors, right? Of like, here are all these different aspects of his holiness and his goodness. And those are the spiritual gifts, okay? So what I would do with this is, okay, by yourself, you could like take a list like this and like chapter 12 and start listing, oh, I've been given that gift. I've been given that gift. I've been given that gift. And get like your patriarchal blessing out. Patriarchal blessing would be super cool. Such a good spot. I was thinking that earlier. I'm so glad that you said that because that's a great spot to see. Yeah. Like some of the gifts that God sees in you. Um, Parents are a great person to ask. Good friends. You know, what spiritual gifts do you see in me? But a cool thing to do in a family or a class that might know each other is to put up that big list of them or print something Mm. like this out and put them all up so that people can look through it and then put like Grace's name at the top of this and then pass it around cool. and have everybody fill in in one of the boxes. Like this is one of the gifts I see in you. Um, and then you get that back. And some Because sometimes for some reason, other people can see those spiritual gifts in us easier than we can see in them. And we have a hesitancy to sometimes write down a spiritual gift because we think they're talents. And we think like we earned them. You know what I'm saying? But if we recognize them as gifts, then there's no bragging about the fact that we were given that gift. It's not like you like go to school on like January 2nd and you're just like, I got, you know, I got new shoes. Yo boy. I mean, you could, that's it. There could be excitement, (laughs) but there's no bragging about a gift. Like you didn't pay for it. You didn't think of it. Like it. it was just given to you. And so if we can, if, if we recognize our gifts as a way to glorify God, as a way to say, like, he, like, he gave me this. Can you believe that? Look how awesome. It's not me being awesome. It's how awesome our God is that he would be willing and able to bestow such a gift upon us. If we can turn it like that, I think we can, we'll do a better job of recognizing our gifts in us. But it's so easy to see gifts in other people. Well, and So much easier, I should say. Yes, yeah, so much because easier. sometimes that's even a gift be able to recognize gifts. So true. Right? So true. I actually think I have that gift. I actually do too. And I you're wrote really it good. down you're in my journal one time. People. You know, I was like in my journal, like in Malawi, when we were on an HXP trip, mm. we had at the end of every day, we would do 
um, we would kind of talk about what gifts we saw in a person cool on the trip it was so awesome tender but then like they would come so easily to me and i remember writing in my journal like i think i have the gift of recognizing spiritual gifts and i was anyways it's just again i, I don't think i'm awesome for it no. i just it was just given to me and i and i and i don't know that day when i wrote it was almost like a time when i feel like god was nudging me to say like so use it david I want you to use that. I want you to help people see their spiritual gifts. That's why I gave you that gift. Not for you to just like hoard, <laughs> you know, yeah. keep to yourself. But like, I gave it to you because people have a hard time recognizing theirs. Well, and there's just something about almost, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to anyways. Like, I, it almost makes say me want to it. say, <laughs> use this week as an excuse. Because some of the most life-altering comments people have made to me or when people say, hey, I see this in you. Mm. I've noticed this about you. And you're good at this. And it makes me want to say, oh, if you're a teacher, or if you're a mom, or a dad, or a sibling, or whoever you are, maybe you want to start thinking about people and their spiritual gift. And do not doubt the power that words have in someone's life. Yeah. And just say, hey, actually, I see this in you. There is something about speaking words of becoming into people. It's mm. powerful, you know? Yeah. It's just yeah. like, oh, just use this as your reason to tell people, yeah. you know? Yeah, so awesome. And this worksheet, I think, would be one I would totally print out or copy from this. And not just for a personal study, but for um, yeah. in, a like in a class that feels be so, so awesome cool. to do something like that. And even just being able to explain, like, that concept is so powerful to me of just being at the end, that ending of being like, hey, the best parts of you are actually him. Yes, you know? amen. It's just, oh, that would be such a good class. Amen. That's so awesome. Now, I want to talk to you about that line that we called this one, which is the you are you because of how Paul ends this. And I just think this is so cool what he teaches because he says, some people wish they had that gift or this gift, or they look around and they start to say, well, this gift is, I think, more valuable than, than that gift. And he makes a comparison at the end of chapter 12. That just like we are a we are all together a body. And he's talking about like the church, the people of the church. And he just says, the eye, this is verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the hand to the foot, I have no need of you. But every part of that um, body all functions together to be what a person is. And and that's what it's like in the body of, of Christ that um, all of us can't be the same and we're not meant to be the same. We are all different manifestations of the holiness and goodness of, of God. And sometimes we're frustrated or we'll shy away from what one of our gifts are. Or sometimes we might accidentally like snuff that out in others because we expect them to act and be in a certain way. And I would say chapter 12 gives us permission to be who we are. My Jack was just set apart last night as a to be a missionary. And I love two things that were in his setting apart blessing. And one of them was this line that you are you. And God called you and your heart and your gifts and your insecurities and everything about you. And he said, shine your light in your particular way. Mm -hmm. And I want Jack to do that as a missionary. I want him to do that the, the rest of his life. We all can't be eyes. We all can't be feet. If we had a church full of just feet, that would be so gross. And if we had a church full of all eyes, it would be like a haunted house. We like put your hand in and you feel gross. through the eyeball, right? Right? We need, sorry, that was kind of a weird, you know? But, Everyone's like, Ooh. you know, and we can't all be yellow. We can't all be green. Like, mm. let's have like every diversity of every kind and use your gifts and let it shine in your particular way. In fact, I, I think, one of the ways that we understand better the character and holiness and nature of God is to see the gifts manifested in other people, right? Um, and what a shame if I didn't get to experience the love of God that was manifested through you. Like that aspect of his love, I might not get to see. Mm. And, um, and so he gives us permission and encourages us to, to share the gifts we've been given, recognize them in others, and let us all profit together the full, a fuller measure of who God actually is. It keeps going. You can tell that 
more than anything in the whole world, he just wanted these people to love each other so bad. Yeah. You know? Because, oh. Love each other, take care of each other. Uh, and I was going to say this. At the very end of 12, he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? No, no, no. Mm. Everyone doesn't have that. But he says, but 31, covet earnestly. Don't you love that? Yeah. We're told not to covet except for right here. Be zealous for is the Greek. The best gifts. Mm. And I will show unto you a more excellent way of living. Seek for those gifts. Live out those gifts so that you can live life together more excellently. Yeah. And it's almost the best transition because he goes from telling all of these, he starts out even just in this week that we're studying of like, hey, let me show you what my life looks like as a disciple. Let me start there. Let me help you understand how to meet people where they are, how important that is in the life of a disciple. Let me show you that you are all needed, that you all have gifts. And then it's almost as if he wants to end with chapter 13 and just say, okay, listen, I taught you what this all looks like, but all of that is worthless unless you have this. And he goes through and he really does say in verse one, he wants to say, listen, you can speak as pretty as you want. You can have the best speech in the whole entire world. But if you do not have charity, just so you know, that will be pointless, right? It's not going to sound like anything good. It's going to be absolutely nothing. In the next one, he even goes as bold as to say, listen, you can have all of the faith in the world enough faith to move mountains. And if you do not have charity, that is worthless. Right? And Which then he goes is through. Nuts, that Stephen. is crazy. In my mind, it said this. Um, if you said to me, I have the faith to move a mountain, I would say, you're a pretty important, powerful person. And he wants to say, actually, to love someone has a more powerful effect than even to move mountain like love is that strong like that's nuts to compare those Crazy. two hand in hand it's almost like what person in the world i'm thinking of asking all my kids would you rather be able to move mountains or love big yeah <laughs> everyone's like mountains. yeah i was like were you kidding of course i want the mountain one but it's just like yeah hey guess what it's actually not as big i mean it's not as powerful as love is oh yeah and even like you look at the next one and it said Okay, what about someone that's willing to give everything they have to the poor? What about them? Or what about the person that's actually willing to have their body burned? And he's like, you could do both of those two things and it's great, but actually they won't mean anything unless you are loving people. Mm. Like it, that is worthless. It's not even going to mean something in the end unless there's love. He says, listen, if there's one thing you get from all of this, it has to be that you understand how to love because all of it's meaningless without it. If you have all those spiritual gifts, if you do not know how to love, it's not going to matter. Right? Yeah. I'm just thinking like, why does someone give away all their stuff if it's not in love? <laughs> yeah. like, what's it? And why would you burn that? Yeah. What's why? your other motivation? It must be like, maybe like to earn your way in. Like, yeah. I'm or even to look to. good. That, oh, like, yeah. To look good. You know? or I'm supposed to, or. Okay, cool. I was yeah. just like, wait, why? It seems like that would look that like would a match. loving act, you know? But it's just like, oh, but there are other ways to live. Which is right? even interesting. That might look good. Yeah, because think about, it could look really good. Like, even if you go back to chapters, or three, I don't even remember how many chapters, it's a surprise, about, like, meeting people where they are. Mm. I think he would say, you can look like you're doing that, but it's not going to mean anything unless you're doing it in love. Yeah, let love be the the... the motivator yeah love be the yeah energizer of it yeah and it's so cute because then he's gonna say let me show you what love is let me tell you what it looks like because you're gonna need to figure this out and he goes through and he makes this list that everyone wants to know but also everyone wants to memorize and love and it starts in verse four and it's just charity suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up Doth not behave itself unseemingly, unseeming, uh, whoa, unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Mm. Which all of a sudden changes the narrative. 
Because immediately for me, when I hear that, like that phrase, never faileth, that immediately switches charity rather than just being love as an action. It actually makes love a name, you mm. know, because of what happened on the cross, because of who he is, which is actually the name for Jesus this week is charity. And oh, did you want to no, say? No, no, I was just amen. And- oh, yeah. <laughs> and it all of a sudden changes that whole chapter. Once you start seeing charity like this, and maybe when you fill out your um, paper, you want to actually fill it out while you're reading that list again. Because when love has a name, it's different. And love is good, and this teaches us a lot about how to act, but it's going to teach us more about Jesus. Yeah. And if you go through and you just change it to Jesus suffereth long and is kind, Jesus envieth not, Jesus vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not, whoa, does not behave itself unseemly, unseemly, seeketh not his own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Jesus never fails. That's the message of chapter 13. That's the way of love is actually just Jesus. Yeah. And then it makes you want to go through and say, okay, What do I learn? When did Jesus suffer long? And when was Jesus kind? And actually, when did Jesus show me how to hope for all things? When did Jesus rejoice in truth? You know? Yeah. And and one, I, I, I can look at that and I can probably think back and pinpoint times in my life when that happened. And there's two ways to do that. One would be one on one from him. When did I experience his kindness? And when did I experience um, him believing all things, including in me? But I think because of chapter 12, where you'll see that more often is in someone else. When did someone else believe in me? And that was a manifestation of Jesus, right? Mm. I think it would be important to make sure you think of like both those things. Like that's, I actually experienced charity through another. Mm. I think as, as would make up a lot of, of your list. When you made it, but you said something so cool, which is you said it and then you read it. And I don't know if, if you caught it listening, but you, but that was a description of the cross four through eight was like, when was charity met? You know, everything that we try to do is just remember Elder Holland in that little red book he wrote about the book of Mormon. I can't remember the name of that book right now. And just search Elder Holland book of Mormon if you want that book, but he teaches about this and he, essentially teaches this idea that um, that we and we can put this quote in the newsletter. I'll put this quote in the newsletter also. You have two gifts in the newsletter today, y'all. <laughs> um, let me write that down or I'm going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, hold on, everybody. I'm just writing another Holland newsletter that um, true charity, the line goes something like this, true charity was manifested once. And that was on Calvary's Hill, essentially. And, and um when you read that list, you're just like, oh, the picture I see is that, this picture of true charity, particularly it never faileth. It won't fail you. Like whatever you've done, wherever you are, wherever you've been, like it won't fail you. He didn't give up on you uh, with the thorns and he didn't give up on you with the whipping and he didn't give up with the nails. What makes you think he's going to give up on you now? It never fails. And that's just beautiful. You guys, Grace had that name, and I want you to all, this is so, I'm going back to it, it's so good that love has a name, um, and it's Jesus. And this box right here, and your, remember in your journal, you can kind of study what those words mean, and this is cool, you can say the Greek of it, which is these words, but chapter 13 almost defines it. Yeah. You know, so, so good for you. Um, if you'd like to use another translation mm-hmm. of the Bible for this in a class, that would be a great I know we say that all the time, but I'm telling you the second half of the New Testament is when it's best to do it. Because some of those things vaunteth not itself. Um, you might have people who are like, I don't really understand what that means. So another I translation even say it, so. yeah, <laughs> would be great to put that up. And then again, just, then you could what you could do is you could put that up or on a paper and just say, when have you seen this in Jesus? In his ministry, personally, through another person, that would be such an awesome like 
I think, class or family activity to do. And you maybe really do want to do that so bad, especially with the night before, if you, with the chapter before, or the night, you can yeah, do it both like, two what? nights in a row, <laughs> the chapter before. Um, then I feel like that would be so cool too with that list to say, who in your life has taught you this? Yeah. When have you seen someone be this? When have you seen Jesus be this? You know, like it's just, that's such a good match. Yeah, and then to think, how can I use whatever gift I have and undergird it with charity. Let charity yeah. motivate that. Let love motivate whatever it is that I'm going to do. 1313 is one of my most favorite verses. Uh, and I actually do love the message, that paraphrased Bible that we love so much. It says it like this. Well, in King James, and now abideth, live in essentially faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity and um, I love this translation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. Mm. And just, oh, do what you do in that. There's this guy, his name is William Booth, and he is the founder of the Salvation Army. And he got a chance to meet um, King Edward VII of England at one time and signed his guest book that you were there and you got to meet the king. And this is what he wrote inside the guest book. Instead of writing William Booth, founder, blah, blah, whatever, this is what he wrote inside that guest book. And he said this, Your Majesty, some men's ambition is art. Some men's ambition is fame. Some men's ambition is gold. My ambition is the souls of men. And uh, maybe that is something that we can reflect, that love and that ambition of Jesus in, in our lives a little bit more this week and let our ambition be the souls of men. Let us be in the, uh, the people business. The people business. So, all right. We'll see y'all next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at don't miss this. Also sign up for our newsletter at don't miss this study.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.